Um, and so, uh, you know, it, last, uh, last couple nights, or last night in particular, I was, uh, uh, my wife, Steph, is a teacher, and so I was kind of talking to her about the sermon and trying to get some uh, advice from her, and one thing she said is she's like, you really need, like, a funny hook to lead in. And so I was thinking, like, okay, I need, a, I need some kind of hook, and she does this every day, so she's really good at this, and I couldn't figure out anything. So uh, we're just going to dive right in to the sermon. <laughs> um, and so today we're going to be talking about um, the early church in Acts, um, in Acts 2. Uh, and we're going to be really talking about some of the surrendering community that um, is shown there. And this is really a passage that I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about as a church. This is kind of like a bedrock passage for us. So um, I think a lot of it will be really familiar. But, um, yeah, just praying that the Holy Spirit, you know, reminds me and reminds us uh, of stuff that, that we need to be reminded of. So I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, read the passage. It's Acts 2, and I'm going to start in uh, 44, verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Cool. So, um, you know, in this passage, this passage is, uh, it's, it's not like some of the other passages in the Bible where it's like God has a really particular command that's really obvious that we're called to follow, right? But there's a lot in this passage that jumps out to us. And, and when we think about what this means for us as a church, the thing that really jumps out to me every time I, every time I read this is the idea of radical community, Right? just this radical community that we see in the church of Acts. And so um, let's unpack that a little bit, the two pieces, the radical part and the community part. I'm going to start um, with that part around community. And I think you know, one thing that's so cool about this radical community we see is it reflects this part of the nature of God that's totally relational at its core, right? Um, so when you think about, when you think about creation, um, well, so stepping back a little bit, actually, when, when physicists... The big problem that, that physicists are trying to solve right now, right, is they, they figured out all these laws that, figure, that govern how things move at a really small level, at like a microscopic level, right? And they've also figured out all these laws that govern how the planets and solar systems move. But those laws aren't the same, and they should be, right? So there's this big, like, general, like, universal theorem they're trying to figure out. And the closest thing that they've come to it is this idea called string theory. And string theory at its, at its core is pretty simple, it's just this idea that these, at the, the most fundamental part of matter are these tiny vibrating strings, these multidimensional vibrating strings that are vibrating all these really precise frequencies that give rise to matter, right? So all these different strings vibrating all these different ways give rise to these subatomic particles like quarks. And then like, we see quarks come together and forming atoms, and atoms coming together and forming molecules, and molecules coming together and forming us, and this theater and everything around and we see like, people you know, coming together and forming families, and we see families come together and form communities. And so there's like, this truth of like, the relational, musical aspect of creation that we see from God. And in Brian Greene, he wrote this, this really cool book called The Elegant Universe. When he's talking about string theory, he says, like, this is the music of the universe. I don't know if Brian Greene is a Christian or not, but I, that's just so cool that the, the universe is musical. And we see that like, in the character of God, right? Like the Trinity is these three persons coming together and, and giving and like creating, not necessarily creating, but these three persons that, that embody this one true God, right? 
these different notes that come together and resonate and form these harmonies and melodies and this greater identity that is the God we serve. And we see that in our relationships, right? Like these different notes coming together and forming like this greater identity and higher meaning. I know I feel that in like my family sometimes, you know, like, like I'm almost more myself when I'm a brother or a husband or a son than I do when I'm just me, right? I sometimes feel more of myself when I'm a part of this church body than it's just me. And, you know, you know this, this, is, this is, we do live in a world that has a lot of broken relationships. We're all part of seeing these broken relationships, but we, we serve a God that is redeeming those. But um, this relationship, right, this relational nature of God is really the basis of this radical community we see in Acts. And this radical community is something that we know that all of humanity longs for, right? All of humanity has really longed for this. Um, but, you know, you know, one thing that is a kicker for me and, and something that I struggle with is, is there's something that happens right before this awesome radical community in Acts. Does anybody know, like, what it is? What is the thing that happens, the event, the huge event that happens right before this? Does anybody know? You can just shout it out. Pentecost, yeah. So Pentecost happens, right? Right before, like the chapter before. And that's the coming of the Holy Spirit on the church, right? So before we see this radical community come together, we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. The believers are gathered together in prayer, waiting in expectation for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we know, is how we have, it's the new age of direct relationship with God, right? Where we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. So that's something that's, that's really hard for me because I, I think about like I think about radical community. The first thing I think is like, what are the things we can do to, to make this happen, right? Like, how can we build this organization or this church so that people feel totally welcome, that everybody's taken care of? And the last thing I want to do is really waste time on building my relationship with God and thinking about how do I build like my relationship with God? How do I just focus on the Holy Spirit? But that's something that I think is where we need to start, right? We need to start with that relationship. We need to start with the Holy Spirit. And throughout history, history is just littered with these failed attempts of people to create these utopian communities, right, that was not focused on Jesus, that was not focused on the Holy Spirit. And we've seen this in, seen this in governments. We've seen this in nonprofits and mosques and temples. We've seen this in our own churches at times, right? Um, we've seen this in our families, right? We've seen, we've seen all these times where we've wanted to create these wonderful communities where it wasn't focused on the Holy Spirit, and, you know, a lot of these were, got pretty close, right? Some of these both were close to the heart of Christ, but um, there's only one true way, right? There's only one true way to have true community. But, yeah, so we're talking about this, 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 this one true way, right? We have to start with the Holy Spirit. We have to start with Jesus. But the but, for me at least, is the point of this relationship is not just to sustain and fuel our dreams, but to surrender ourselves to Jesus, right? Like, we don't seek Jesus because we're like, okay, we need this prerequisite to see this community, to see our dreams come true, to see this great nonprofit or business kick off and, and proclaim the kingdom. No, we do it because we have to surrender our dreams to God. That's really, really hard for me, too. And this is the really radical part of the community in Acts, right? In that radical community, the radical part is they are living lives of surrender to God. And, you know, I think for me, like, surrender and radical really don't seem to fit together. You know what I mean? Like, when I was thinking, when I was struggling, before I was a Christian, like, I, I hated the idea of surrender because I wanted to be me. I wanted to be radical in a way. And I didn't really realize that the radical part of Christianity is living that life of surrender. But that is the radical part of the community in Acts.
I'm covering up my phone so I can't see how, how long I've been preaching. Cool. Cool. So this surrender, you know, like, like we said, like, it's not about propelling our ideas, right? It's not just about pushing our ideas forward, but it's about surrendering it to God. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't use our gifts, right? Does God use our gifts? Does he use our dreams? Does he use our ideas? Does he use our inspiration? Does he use our talents? Does he use our resources? Yes, he totally uses that. There's like tons of examples in the Bible where God says, use your talents. And he uses that. He uses that to bring forth his kingdom in the world. He absolutely uses that. Those are, he's, he's the author of that. He created you with those dreams and those ideas that you have and those passions. So it doesn't mean like you can't do anything you're passionate about, right? Like uh, I have a good friend who's sitting right there who's uh, passionate about writing, right? And so it's not that the Lord doesn't want him to pursue writing. It's what we're supposed to call to surrender our skills and our passion laid at the feet of Jesus, right? We are supposed to seek the Lord and abandon all else. And so, you know, coming back to this chapter, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I don't actually necessarily think is about, you know, selling everything you have and giving it to other people, but it might be. You know what I mean? So it's not actually obvious that it's not that. So if anything, it's more obvious that it's about selling everything you have. So beware of just saying, it's definitely not about that, right? Because that seems to be the more obvious interpretation. I think it definitely might be. Um, but I think one of the bigger points is that we don't get to pick the point of our surrender to the Lord. We don't get to pick where and what we surrender to the Lord. We can't pick out this one thing and give it to him. Um, you know, Oswald Chambers is this, uh, he's this uh, pastor who was like, kind of like a, not that big a deal, right? He kind of preached, and then after he died, his wife and some others collected some of his sermons. They put in this devotional, which is like a huge, huge devotional that tons of people read. Um, and one of the things he's talked about is he talks about the story of Abraham. And he talks about how Abraham listened to God um, when he told him to sacrifice Isaac. And this is a, this is a really, really tough passage. And, but, you know, it wasn't that Abraham was like, I just love God so much that I'm going to, God, I'm going to sacrifice my son. I don't think God want, would want him to do that. But Abraham was, didn't, didn't, like, pick out, this is how I'm going to show God how much I love him. He listened to God when he told him to sacrifice his son. And equally important, he listened to God when he told him not to, right? He listened to God when he provided the ram and told him he didn't need to sacrifice his son, right? He was living this life of following God. And ultimately, when God told him, don't sacrifice Isaac, go and sacrifice this ram, he listened to God, right? So I think we can, we can he wasn't this fanatic, right, who was just trying to, like, prove to God how much he loved him. He was this servant who was surrendering to the will of the Father. And that's, that's also a trap for me, <laughs> as long as we're going through this. Um, God will show us what we need to sacrifice. He'll show us the unsurrendered part of our lives. Like, that's for sure, right? Like, the rich young ruler, he was told, when he went to the, the Lord and said, what do I need to do? He was told, like, sell everything you have, right? So God's not afraid of telling us that. You know, Abraham and Isaac, we see that amount of surrender. We also see, um, uh, you know, I think, I really believe that Samuel's mother was led to, to, to give her son into the service of the Lord. So we see that the Lord is capable of telling us where we need to surrender. Um, and I remember uh, after I graduated, I was living uh, with a couple good friends who are actually here today, the Paxons, and they have this wonderful, beautiful baby boy, Henry, who you all should say hi to him. He's awesome. Um, but, you know, the Paxons are, one thing about them, if you don't know them, is they're like the biggest hipsters in the entire planet, right? They're like the real deal hipsters. So, like, Josh was telling me, like, this one trip he took, he's, like, took his steel frame bike, and he, like, biked to the Atlantic Ocean just for the experience. 
And I'm pretty sure that he did that wearing only chacos and a loincloth, right, Josh? Like, <laughs> he, is a, he is a hipster. <laughs> and, like, they would bring back these big burlap sacks of, like, unmilled grain and, like, portion it out in, like, mason jars. And Sarah was always reading, like, she, like, exclusively read biographies of dead presidents. So, like, they're, like, yeah, they're the hipsters of the world. But they, they, I lived with them. It was an amazing experience. Um, but there was this one time when uh, I was talking with Josh, and I was, it was after I graduated I was, really, um, I was really wanting to, to live a life of surrender to God, and so I was telling him, like, Josh, I just like, want to like, give up money completely. I just want to like, I, I work in a nonprofit and blah, blah, blah. And Josh said something to me that I know was the Holy Spirit because I still remember this. And he said, Joe, you know, like, you know make sure you're not just living out false humility. Um, and that really resonated with me, right? Because false humility, basically, what it is is pride, right? I was doing all this stuff out of pride. I wanted to give this out out of pride. And, um, you know, that really, really resonated with me. And later on in college, in college, it reminded me of this moment in college where I was, uh, I was a pre-med student. Um, I don't know if anybody else, is anybody else a pre-med student here? Yeah, so, yeah, pre-med student. Um, and I was, you know, in Organic 2 lab, and I had turned in my lab, you know, I was doing great in my classes, but I turned in the wrong document, right? I turned in the wrong document, submitted it, and so I got like a 40 on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I was losing it, right? I was losing, I was freaking out, and um, I actually, one of my friends who wasn't even a Christian told me, hey, Joe, why don't you go out and pray? And I was like, that's a great idea. I don't know why you're telling me to do that, but that's a great idea. So I, uh, I went out and prayed, and I was praying, and I don't really feel like God speaks to me in these really awe-inspiring moments very often, but he did in this moment. And he told me, Joe, you have to give up success in the eyes of the world. Like everybody, your family and your friends and your classmates, everybody may think you're a failure if you're doing my work, but if if I call you to do it, then you need to do it, right? But everybody may think you're a failure. Um, And I remember, like, I would never tell people this, right, when I said I was going to work and wanted to work in a nonprofit. But in that image, like, I was going to be, like, this, like, whatever, nonprofit executive. I wouldn't have said executive, but I was going to be this nonprofit executive. Um, and I was going to be going on speaking tours. I was going to have, like, a, a book, you know. Like, I, I was going to be really humble and, like, cool, but people were going to be like, Joe is the man, right? Like, he could do all this, and he's doing this. Like, this was, this was such an idol to me. And God, like, totally crushed it. <laughs> it was the worst. It was really the worst. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and. And uh, I think he had to do it in kind of an awe-inspiring way because I, I would not have gotten it otherwise at all. Um, you know, like after I graduated college, like, you know, so he told me this in college. Still, though, when I graduated college, I went and took a practice MCAT just to prove to my friends who were going to medical school that I could do it, right? Like I, I went through and took a six-hour exam just to prove that I could do this or try to prove it at least. Um, that's like how much obsessed I was with it. I, it just like was such an idol for me and still is. And one of the ironic things is now that I've graduated, money definitely is more of a concern, so I feel like I'm moving backwards. But, uh, you know, God is full of grace, and he's, he's, you know, he's working with me. But the big thing was, was my greatness was more important than the Lord's greatness, right? And the big thing here is that the Lord, we don't get to just say, I'm going to sacrifice this to you, God, as like this big altar to you, and then I can do my life and pursue my dreams. No, he calls us to be servants and to be stewards of what he's given us and to surrender that to him. So, you know, one thing that this makes me ask and, you know, asking, it makes me think, like, where is the Lord asking us to surrender ourselves? Um, 
and a real quick note, like I was, I was sort of like praying before the service, like praying like, Lord, just, you know, use this sermon. And like <laughs> the one thing he told me, or I felt like he told me, he's, this is something that I, he's said to me over and over, is that why are, you, why are you praying to me now and you don't pray to me before you go into work, right? Like before, when, with all the people who aren't Christians, why are you praying for me, my, your, the Holy Spirit to empower you now and you don't pray for that before I go into work? So that was a side note. But it begins with relationship with God, right? And again, this is the part we wish we could skip, I think. A lot of times we want to skip the relationship with God and we want to see the fruit created, right, in our lives, but we don't want to cultivate the soil. And, and that day-by-day day cultivating of the soil, that's not fun at all. It's really hard, and it's not very glamorous. It's not this big moment. It's a day-by-day day surrender to the Lord. But that is, it's not a means. It's the, it's the single, single biggest reason that I and you were created was to have that relationship with God. So we need to cultivate the soil. Um, so we're talking about this radical community, right? The radical surrender, the community that reflects this nature of God, the character of God. Um, and let's go back to Acts for just a second. There's this really cool mirroring in the translation that I have um, that is just really, really cool. Um, I'm going to read it one more time. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So I just love that day by day part, right? Like they were day by day praising God. They were having the goodwill of the people. They weren't seeking the goodwill of the people, right? They were praising God. And day by day, the Lord was adding to their number those who were being saved. Um... You know, when I, when I was looking for that Oswald Chambers quote, Oswald Chambers has lots of challenging stuff to say, and, and one of the passages I came across from him <laughs> said, beware of speaking about surrender you know nothing about. And that's pretty much the last thing you want to read when you're preparing a sermon on surrender. And <laughs> it was like, oh. And it's also, it also is hard to read because it's true, right? Like, this is the, the part that I struggle with, is surrender. Um, but then he, he continues and he talks about, you have to understand the life of surrender that Jesus Christ lived. And so, you know, like, that's really cool. Like, God did even this for us, right? That he came down as a man and demonstrated what a life of complete and total surrender to the Father and to the Holy Spirit looked like, right? And, and he says it in his word, what it looks like. And there's a lot, of, a lot of examples of what it could look like, right? Where it says, love your enemies. And if someone tells you to go one mile, go with him two. And when he's in Gethsemane and he says, Father, your will, not my will be done, right? Like, God has empowered us with the grace of the Holy Spirit to live this life of surrender, and he's shown us through his son what that surrender looks like. So that, that's just, you know, that's, it's amazing that we serve a God who is willing to do that, to, to show that to us. And so, you know, just wrapping up, when we look at this, this community in Acts, this radical community, we know it's only possible through that day-by-day surrender to the Lord. And, and, you know, when you become a believer... I think a lot of times there's this big moment of surrender, you know, to the Lord. And then, it's, and then the part that's hard for me is that day-by-day day complete surrender to the God where these same passions and idols for me come up, and come up for us. But we have to do this day-by-day day surrender to the Lord empowered through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has shown us this. And I know that as a church, that when we surrender to God and as we continue to surrender to God and when we surrender the unsurrendered part to God, all that, that God will be adding to our number and saving the community of Chapel Hill, saving the community of Durham and Raleigh, 
in the triangle. So I know he'll do that. So, um, yeah, we just serve an amazing Lord, and I'm just going to wrap this up with prayer as we, as we just ask for the Lord to, to show that to us and, and give us the grace to follow in his ways. So, Father, thank you so much um, for who you are. Thank you for just the beautiful relational God, the, that you embody this amazing musical um, relational aspect that created that in, in nature. I just pray that you would give us the, the grace um, and through the power of your Holy Spirit to surrender ourselves to you and that you would use that to save our communities and to save our families, to save ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.